On Tuesday afternoon, we started hearing about a massive explosion at the largest refugee camp in Gaza. Hamas was quick to blame Israel. And within hours, Israel's military came out and said, yes, it was us. The IDF said it took out a top Hamas leader in the strike, whom Hamas denies was there. The IDF also said an underground terror infrastructure was built under the territory. Eyewitnesses on the ground told CNN the carnage left behind was staggering. One man, who was only a couple hundred feet away from the Jabalia camp, told CNN that bodies were hanging on the rubble, bleeding and burnt. He said children were carrying other injured children. Think about that picture for a second. I know it's disturbing, but just really think about it. Children carrying other children. Now, on Wednesday, we started to see a group of up to 81 injured Palestinians leaving Gaza. They were allowed to cross the Rafah border into Egypt. And up to 500 foreign nationals could also be released in the coming days, thanks to a deal mediated by Qatar. There are still so many civilians trapped inside Gaza. And human rights groups say kids are paying a huge price in this conflict, that not enough is being done to protect them. Today, we hear about one of them. From CNN, this is Tug of War. I'm David Rind. CNN's Ivana Kotasova is a reporter for CNN Digital, and she has been on the ground in Israel talking to the people directly impacted by the military response to the brutal Hamas terror attacks on Israel. She spoke to me on Tuesday night from Tel Aviv. Ivana, what do we know about how children in Gaza are being impacted by this war? Well, we know that they are among the groups that are most affected by this war. More than 8,500 people have now died since October 7, since this war started. The number is uh, collated by uh, the Gazan health authorities, which are controlled by Hamas. As of the 25th of October, 3,000 children or more than 3,000 children have been reported killed. Wow. So that is a staggering number. And just to put it in context, Save the Children, the charity has said that that number is higher than the number that was annual number of children killed in armed conflict globally in each of the past four years. Wow, so it's just like just a few weeks. We already surpassed a year's total. Indeed, yes. So we've seen more children killed in just three weeks than in an entire Hmm. year, which is just tragic. And, you know, the thing about these numbers is these numbers are really, really hard to imagine and comprehend. But we are getting all these stories of these children, thanks to our colleagues who are in Gaza, who are still on the ground working despite all of what's going on. Hassan, Mohammed and Ibrahim are our dear colleagues there. And they're bringing us these stories. And once you start seeing the individual faces and the individual stories, that number just becomes a lot more personal. So tell me a few of them. I think the one that really stuck with me is is the story of a three-year-old girl called Judy. And uh, she was injured in a strike that hit a car that was next to the car she was in. So her family was fleeing from one neighborhood in the Gaza City to another neighborhood where they thought they'd be safer. 
And as as they were fleeing, uh, they were in a car and and uh, Stroig hit the car next to them. And Judy was hit by shrapnel. And it got lodged in her head. And the doctors can't remove it. And um, what they're saying is that she's probably paralyzed and she may never walk again. But, you know, her injury is, is absolutely horrifying physically. But when you see her face, uh, when you see her sitting in her bed in hospital in this little gray dress that she, she was wearing, it, it's, it had an ice cream cone, picture of an ice cream cone on it and said something like, sweet and tasty ice cream. Hmm. And her big curly hair all wrapped in bandages and she just has this empty stare on her face. She's just looking into space, not reacting to, to anything that's going on around her. Her father told us that she hasn't spoken a word in 16 days and she's refusing to eat, refusing to, to drink. All she does is just sit lie and, and sleep. What did these children do? We have nothing to do with the resistance, he says. They're just targeting Palestinians. They're killing children because they're Palestinian. To them, we're not humans. They don't know if she'll be able to walk again. Judy is one of the lucky ones, if one can call them that. She still has her father by her side. The thing about Jodi that really, really struck me and, and that is so heartbreaking is that her parents have shared a video of her from just a few weeks ago. Um, and that video is just a normal, happy three-year-old girl. She's wearing this long princess dress in pink and she's wearing a tiara that is sparkly and you know, someone is filming a video and she thinks uh, she's being photographed. So she's sort of posing, but looking a bit shy. Mm. And she, uh, someone, clearly someone behind the camera says, oh, smile for me, Judy. And, and she puts on this big, broad smile in her dress and, and poses for the camera. And, and then there's a short clip of her running uh, towards something. We don't know what it is. But it's just that normal way three-year-olds run. Um, and she just looks so beautiful with her big hair and big eyes. And then, you know, you almost cut to the footage from now where she is just sitting motionless on the bed, staring into distance, not reacting to anyone. And it's just the difference is heartbreaking. It, it's very, very difficult to watch. And there are so many stories like this. There's so many children who are going through the same thing. Right. And do we know why we're seeing such, you know, large numbers of children being hurt or killed? Is there something specific to that group that is putting them at such risk? Well, one reason for that is that there are just very, very many children in Gaza. So Gaza has a population of just over two million and about half of those two million people are children. But also children are generally more vulnerable to, to these injuries. So if you think about it, if an adult person gets hit by shrapnel, 
the same size shrapnel hitting a child's body that's much smaller will cause a lot more relative damage, right? And children also have a lot less blood to lose. Mm. So that's another reason. They have bones that bend more easily than uh, adult bones. So their injuries tend to be worse and they tend to be more permanent. And then it's also the the mental health, like the the trauma that these children are going through is is something that perhaps, you know, I'm not saying that it's easy for adults to process, but it, it is much harder for children to process. We'll be right back. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome back to Tug of War and my conversation with CNN's Ivana Kotazova. We've heard from a 13-year-old in Gaza on one of our past episodes. Her name is Nadine. And, you know, what really struck me listening to the voice notes that she's been sending back to us is that Even though she's a young teenager, she kind of sounds like an adult, like not her voice necessarily, but just the way she comports herself and the way she thinks about the world and kind of constructs her thoughts. Is that something that you've experienced in the course of your reporting, the idea that kids living in Gaza just kind of have to grow up faster, I guess? Absolutely. Yes. I think every single child that we speak to, they are older, or they they appear and and speak as if they were older. And I think that is just a direct consequence of of their lives so far. If you think about it, Nadine, yes, she's 13 years old, which means that all she knows is life in Gaza, under a blockade, under Hamas regime. She never experienced anything else. You have Mm -hmm. to remember that majority of people in Gaza, not just children, but, but adults, have never stepped foot outside of Gaza. All they know is this tiny strip of land that is a violent place. If you, if you think about kids who were who are now 17 were born after Hamas took over and there's been numerous wars with with Israel. So these children just it's a never-ending cycle of of violence and death. And, you know, on on the other hand, that kind of atmosphere, that kind of experience, that just leads to radicalization. And so it's a cycle that is very, very difficult to break. And I think this is something that the Israeli leadership is currently thinking about and, and possibly struggling with. Because if there is no plan for Gaza for afterwards, you will have another generation that has grown up associating Israel with war and death and and pain. It's like you're saying the war that currently surrounds the children that live there now may have impacts on their mental health, their physical health in the short term, but in the long term could lead to a different way 
that they live their lives as opposed to if they'd grown up somewhere else. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think any of us can imagine what it's like. I mean, I've covered the war in Ukraine, which of course is is very different, but but it's also a war. There's violence, there is bombing, but there are escape routes. You know, we've seen children being sent to safety to eastern Ukraine. We've seen lots of people seeking refuge in surrounding countries. These children in Gaza, they don't have that option. The families are stuck in Gaza. There is no way to go. So I think it's that hopelessness of there is nowhere safe and um, there is no end in sight. Well, Ivana, thank you very much for bringing us some of these stories. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I just want to note that the death tolls we talked about here are all according to the Palestinian Ministry of Health in Ramallah, which draws its statistics from sources inside Gaza, which of course is controlled by Hamas. The calculations by Save the Children that Ivana mentioned also worked off that data. Tug of War is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Anna Sterla and me, David Rind. Our senior producer is Haley Thomas, Dan DeZula is our technical director, and Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. Special thanks to Matt Wells, Nick Thompson, Anissa Gray, and Nathan Hodge. We'll be back on Friday with another update. In the meantime, head over to CNN.com or the CNN app for the very latest. I'll talk to you later. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra-processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts.